0: Well, hello and welcome back to Hillbrook Center for Teaching Excellence Podcast. My name is Bill Selleck. I'm our Director of Technology here at Hillbrook. Pronouns are he and him. And I'm here with the illustrious Amy Hand. Amy, how are you and who are you?
1: I'm great. My name's Amy Hand. I am the head of middle school. It's my third year at Hillbrook. Pronouns she, her, and I am also a math enthusiast, which I believe is why I'm here today.
0: Yes, it is. I am a math enthusiast. Cool, well. I know. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, so we had a parent-ed event last week, unless you listen to this podcast <laughs> in a year, in which case it was a year and a week away, um, and there were some amazing things, and it got me thinking that we should just hang out and talk about not only how kind of math is everywhere, but also um, as an adult that has small children, or even medium children, whatever sized children we have, I suppose. That's a weird way of talking about kids, isn't it? <laughs> 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 um there's a lot of things that you can do to make math accessible, interesting, fun, and relevant. Absolutely. Right. So maybe we start off just tell us a tiny bit about what that parent ed event was.
1: So it, it was a ton of fun. We had a great turnout. The concept of the math fair, and I hope it was just first of many that we'll have at Hillbrook, was we began with kind of a math museum concept almost. So we had tables set up with lots of activities, but there was also lots of stuff posted around the walls for people to read and also more importantly and more fun to engage with. So we had, for instance, a giant Venn diagram with different categories and attendees could put their own names in the Venn diagram um, in the appropriate place depending on whether they, for instance, wear glasses or whether they have a pet at home. Um, There were diagrams on the wall with uh, pictures of numbers or uh, shapes saying which one doesn't belong, inviting conversation for people who wanted to walk by and See what their impressions were. Share them with others. Um, we we created uh, collaboratively a scatter plot of people's age in months, which itself was a little math problem to figure out for for some of our younger folks, um, versus their height in centimeters. They could measure themselves along a, a life a, a ruler on the wall and then plot their their height versus their age. And we saw whether a, a a correlation emerged there. So there was lots of fun stuff for people to engage with. That was kind of phase one. Um, And then we played some group games. I have collected over the years of being a math educator, I've collected a few games that work really well for large groups. So we played a few great games and then uh, the kids all went with Ms. Mac to do a money and math activity um, geared towards social entrepreneurship while I talked with the parents about how to bring uh, love and enthusiasm for math at home, mostly through uh, how to have math chats with kids. Um, It was a lot of fun. Hope to do it again soon.
0: That is so cool. So much fun. And it's so great to have that um, math enthusiasm. Yeah. I really tried on that one. That feels like not a right word. <laughs> I was going for math-enthusiasm. Well, I'm going to just own it. math <laughs> Um There are a few things you talked about that I want to circle back on. So the scatter plot. So if you imagine, if you don't know what that is, just imagine a regular graph. Is this the one you were using Desmos on?
1: Yes. Yeah. I used Desmos for that. A great online tool. That's free.
0: It is. And so with that, um, you would put in coordinates so like the X and the Y. And what did what did people actually notice with that plot?
1: Well, what you noticed uh, wasn't a whole lot when we used a certain scale for the graph. So we had adults and kids participating. And uh, as you can imagine, the that means that there was a lot of variance in people's ages and heights. Um, and so it looked kind of like a mess. It almost looked like... Um, like a horizontal collection of dots after a while, once we accounted for kids and adults. What we then saw after changing the scale was that when we um, adjusted the the x-axis so that we were only looking at kids' ages, we did start to see a correlation emerge where it appeared more like a, a diagonal line of dots, Um because, of course, as, as we know and as we hope, kids get taller as they get older nice. yeah. <laughs> in grades three through six. Eventually they stop. So we did see a, a, a bit of a fun pattern emerge. But I was prepared for either one, you know, not knowing how many kids would show up and whether how many outliers we would have. Uh, I didn't really know what we would see. But it was fun that for those who focused on that activity, they got to see the way that uh, which data you include affects what kind of pattern or correlation you see.
0: Well, and also love with that is that you didn't have a predetermined outcome. Right. I feel like so many times um, or I could speak for myself, maybe like my early years of teaching, like I needed it to go well mm-hmm. and I needed to know what the outcome would be. And I think this is actually a really cool example of not necessarily knowing exactly what's going to happen and then just having a conversation around it, which ultimately is is one of the big goals, right?
1: Exactly. And that's interesting because that's something that I talked about with parents about, you know, talking about math with your kids. I think one of the biggest obstacles is that, uh, unfortunately, a lot of people see themselves as not being math people. Um... I believe everyone is a math person and when you are worried that you're going to go down a road conversationally with a kid that you will then lose um, a degree of expertise on or where you won't know what the answer is or how to correct that can be the obstacle for a lot of parents and uh, one of my messages to parents was just embrace that ask questions that you don't know the answer to you can you can Google something, you can ask your your child's math teacher, you can connect with the people you need, and you can also model for your kids how do you find out information when you don't know the answer. But I think just showing the enthusiasm for the content and being willing to not know is itself a great lesson.
0: Yeah, I love that so much. That makes me so happy to hear. There's a big smile on my face. You can't <laughs> you, well you can see I it, Amy. See I'm it. looking at you, you <laughs> can see it. We're recording this in mid November. So I'm going to selfishly ask you, and I feel like it's useful for other humans, um, any games that you might recommend? Because I'm for sure going to buy one of those as soon as we stop recording this.
1: Sure. Yeah, I have lots of. So I have lots of suggestions. There are many games that are explicitly about math, such as 24. That is a wonderful um, uh, kids love that game. It can serve many levels of kids. It can be played as a solitaire game or a group game, so it's really flexible, and that's great for computational creativity and computational practice. It also develops a lot of fluency and number sense because kids are getting really creative about, about putting numbers together to equal 24. So 24 is great if you're thinking computation. Um, in terms of using some reasoning strategies, organization, making sets out of things, there's a game called Set that is also really popular with kids and can serve a wide Uh, range of ages from lower school through middle school. Kids find that exciting. Um, It's a great family game. I recommend that. In terms of geometric reasoning and logical reasoning, some of my favorite games are Rush Hour, and they also make a Rush Hour Junior uh, game, and Chocolate Fix. Uh, those are great games. I'll just let you look those up and, and see if they fit the bill. Anything involving tangrams um, is is great for kids to practice um, just playing with math and playing with geometric figures. And then the the other message that I had for parents uh, as part of the, the math talk was that a lot of games, uh, board games or strategy games that are not explicitly about math, you can still use as a springboard for getting kids to think about um uh, algorithms and strategic reasoning, and to use logic, and those can be those can be a great platform for um, having math conversations with your kids. So, for instance, some of the questions I love to ask if I'm playing a game like Connect Four or um, even oh shoot I'm blanking on the game Uh, sorry (laughs) with my kids (laughs) is how you know is this a game where you have an advantage by going first or is this a game where you have an advantage by going second or how would the strategy that you're using in this game change if we all played um, two turns in a row before it went to the next person instead of one turn at a time so there are lots of ways to kind of Twist things around or ask follow-up questions um, that can make uh, that can engage kids in strategic thinking even more than uh, you might realize at at first glance.
0: I love that. I also um, I'm, I'm thinking back past Bill. I refer to myself in the past tense sometimes. Um, for about six years, I was teaching uh, an undergrad class, math for young children, mm. and a lot of the the things that we did is looking at math literature and some of the not obvious ways that th- this is actually a math book, right? So, you know, looking up at the the really old website, one that comes to mind for algebra was called Farmer Will. Mm-hmm. So at first glance, you're just like, this is a kid and he has a variety of animals, right? But if you actually look at it and name it and have discussions around it, every time the animals are ordered, it's from shortest to tallest. Oh, so interesting. that's how they're introduced, right? Mm-hmm. So as you're looking at it, once you begin to realize that actually just going from smallest to tallest is actually algebraic thinking for young children, mm-hmm then you're like, all right, books like this are actually really cool examples of it. It doesn't have to be like, let's do algebra. X plus 2 equals 7. Oh, exactly.
1: Right? Yeah, there's the, the world of math is so much bigger than just computation. And you're exactly right. Whenever you get kids engaged in ordering or comparing, that is a really important tenet of, of mathematical thinking. Well, there's a great website if you're looking for just more fun, easy ways. If you're feeling new to this or looking for some inspiration, one of my favorite websites is visualpatterns.org. That was one of the activity tables we used at the math fair where it just shows um, it, the pictures are really engaging. They're colorful. Some of them involve you know drawings of little animals. Some of them are numbers. Some of them are um, just diagrams. But they have little pictures of objects in a sequence, and the question every single time is the same. It's draw the next figure in the pattern. Um, and you can, you know, they, they range also in um, accessibility from really easy and obvious maybe to a little bit more subtle and nuanced. Um, and then from there, you can go much deeper. You can say, you know, okay, how many, if it's a collection of squares uh, laid out in a certain arrangement, what, uh, how many squares would be in the 10th figure um, instead of just drawing the, the fourth figure. Or if you're transitioning into thinking algebraically, you can say, well, how many, um, how many squares would be in the nth figure. Um, uh, you know, kids, of course, uh, once they're exposed to variables and have an understanding of what that means, it's th- that becomes the next logical, logical question in terms of ramping up the complexity and the difficulty and the abstraction.
0: I like that so, so much. I even remember, like, we circle back to Desmos, um, something my fourth grade was really into. You know, she's not really big on graphing i don't think most kids are like naturally like i love to graph uh but then you give a context to it and suddenly it's great and i think desmos has some great examples of being able to um to draw shapes but you Mm. don't get to just draw a shape you have to draw the coordinates of it yep that's great that's a great activity so so figuring out like what how to make like a dog face but you can only use coordinates to to draw that right like it's almost like a connect the dots if you can imagine that yes but you're doing it in coordinate systems. So an X and a Y axis, and that's how you're building out the, uh, the things.
1: Great. Sounds like fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so one thing that, that I loved, and maybe we can kind of wrap it up here, is you know just really simple ways that parents can engage with mathematical conversations with kids. Um, the one that comes to mind was just talking about road trips mm. and different things you can do. You know, So like distance, um, tell us a little bit more about that and maybe some other ways that, that kids can have conversations with adults.
1: Sure. I think the the biggest it, it, the biggest thing is just noticing. I think noticing numbers and noticing relationships around you, and then talking about it with your kids, it, it, it's like a muscle, and you'll you'll get better and better about it. Um, but yeah, with with road trips, I mean, the simplest thing is you know just how long do you think it's going to take us to get to grandma's this time? Um, you know, just estimating, looking at uh, speed versus distance, having kids make estimates, having kids. Um, Take into account things uh, like the like the road stops. Is this a quicker time than last time? Things like that. So just noticing and asking the questions. Um, in terms of math games that you can play in the car, if that's where you're going with that idea, um, you know, I guess my number is a great one. We we can play it right now if you yeah, want to try. Do it. it. Okay, okay, sure. So you know, th- th- I'm going to imagine a number. I'm thinking of a number between zero and a hundred, and just make up little clues as you go. It's a it's a multiple of five. Ooh. It's it's a multiple of two, but it's not a multiple of four. You want to start guessing, Bill? Fifty. Uh, um, that's a great guess. And it, the digits of my number add up to seven. Ooh. The digits of my number add up to seven. This is
0: hard to do mentally, actually. It is really hard. I was really isn't hoping it? you were going to say higher or lower. Cheat it. It's higher well, than fifty. Well,
1: and that's you know that's an example of a modification you can make along the way. Yeah. <laughs> So the digits add up to seven. It's a multiple of five and two. Yeah. But not four. You want to take another guess?
0: Five and two. So uh, the sum is seven?
1: And the sum of its digits are seven, yeah. Its
0: digits are seven, but it's a multiple of five. So, like, but it's bigger than 50.
1: It's bigger than 50 bigger and less than, than, than 100. And it
0: needs to end with a 5 or a 0 in the 1s column, right? Yep.
1: It, so it needs... That's great mathematical reasoning because yeah. all multiples of 5 end in 0 or 5, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if it's a multiple of 2, Bill, can you eliminate one of those options?
0: So it can't be 5, so it has to end in a 0. Great. And then it's, it's bigger than 50, so it's 50, but that doesn't add to 7. Right. or 7. Sixty doesn't. It's it's got to be seventy then. That's right. Seven plus zero. Ding ding ding. You nice. got it. Such pressure when you're hitting. Record I know too. it was
1: really mean of me to do that in a podcast. No, that's great. So that's an example. You know and. It, it, One of the other tips I gave parents was if a child gives a wrong answer or a podcast host, don't (laughs) assume that the answer is wrong. Um, You know, it it could be, well, first of all, that's just good practice. Because almost every time a child gives a wrong answer, um, there was still some good reasoning behind it. And you can provide some encouragement and anchoring of what's correct in their thinking by, um, by asking them how they got that. And then, you know, if the answer is indeed wrong, then you can point out what was correct about their reasoning and what they can reconsider. So that's just great. Practice and uh, coaching for kids, but it could also be that maybe I didn't give enough clues. Maybe I left some answers open, and then that would be a great opportunity to say, "Oh my gosh, that's that's not the number I had in mind," and that also fits all my clues. Wow! I wonder if there are other numbers that fit the clues. How do we know when we've found all the correct answers based on the clues I provided? So there's there's a big world out there of uh, fun ways to have math talks. I love
0: that. (laughs) I love. I'm so used to to the math games being a higher or a lower thing and slowly like kind of narrowing it down.
1: Oh yeah. And you don't tell your kids this if you don't want to open this door, but you can play with young kids. You can play, um, guess my number with Alexa. If you have Alexa at home and mm. uh, she'll, she'll play with you.
0: <laughs> I love that. So great. Uh, so what are some maybe next steps for people as they, they go on, as they become parents that have conversations with math, you mentioned kind of flexing that muscle, building that muscle, it just It's really a habit. It's a practice thing.
1: Yeah, I think it's a habit. Find some math games that you like. Look for math around you. Uh, one of my slides in the in the slide deck for parents was something funny that just caught my eye when I was picking up a frozen pizza at Trader Joe's recently. Um, I noticed that, I, I think it said something like, serving size, a third of the pizza, 100, 170 calories. And then it said, um, whole pizza, 520 calories. And, you know... Uh, as a as a math teacher who's multiplied by 17 a bunch of times that just immediately caught my eye and you know if you have the right age kid that's a that's a really funny thing kids love realizing that adults have made mistakes and it looks so official. It's printed on the box saying, Hey, what's, what's wrong with this? Like we we've got a little math mystery here. What's wrong with this? Should we report it to the manager? You know, you could, I think just (laughs) noticing and seeing and pointing out to kids that, um, math is around us and mistakes with math are around us and beauty in math is around us. Um, noticing patterns is really fun for young kids and and middle school kids. So I think just turning that, turning that lens on. And again, the more you do it, the, the more you'll you'll see that there are lots of ways to engage kids about it. You know, if you're watching sports games, oh my gosh, that's that's a great that's a great way to just have numbers all around you. You know, what what is the most likely score you think is going this this game is gonna end in, or or football? I've done an activity like this with kids. If um if there are no safeties scored in a in a football game name all of the impossible scores for, for final scores of a football game. Kids love that activity. Um, safeties makes it, uh, safeties are kind of annoying if you want to ask that question because they, they make many more scores possible than would otherwise be possible. But um, yeah, there's there's all sorts of ways you can just look for for ways to talk about numbers and, and computation and math around you.
0: Yeah, I remember um, I was at Costco a while back and actually had this conversation with my students, my adult students, the undergrad students, um, around Costco Ziploc bags, <laughs> it was similar to the, uh, to the Costco pizza idea where there were four different bags. They were all gallon bags and they were all dramatically different prices. Oh, interesting. And it ended up taking, we, we'd spend almost half an hour in the class having this conversation. Um, cause it ultimately people would just go, all right, like price per bag, this is the best deal. Mm. But then I learned not all bags are created equal. Yeah, <laughs> right, like the freezer <laughs> bags are actually meant for the yes, freezer, so they're yes, more yes, expensive. Yeah, yep. and then eventually, you know, this, this tended to be the the number and operations kind of week. We would talk about that and figuring out, you know, kind of price per unit was a interesting way to to show that it's yeah, it's a, you know, it's there all the time in your cool. life all the time. And do you know what we found? What there's a little dot, and depending on what color that dot is, it's a deal. And so the freezer <laughs> bags are most expensive at Costco. Right. But if it had that dot, it was actually a better price.
1: Oh, interesting. And
0: then since then, I've learned that the last digit for how much something costs at Costco also is an indicator of how good of a deal it is. And I don't remember offhand, but it was like if it ends in a one, then that's actually like a clearance item. So that's been reduced. Oh,
1: interesting. I didn't know that. That's a great pattern to look for. Well, kids, uh, we all know, and adults are highly motivated by talks about money. So, you know, getting kids to think about money, what's the better deal? Um you know, asking kids questions like, "Do you would you prefer for your allowance that you get a dollar every time you do your chores or $10 a week or, you know, whatever it is. Um, thinking about something like that is a great way to have kids start doing some comparison, some calculation in a way that might be motivating to them. Um there's also oh at the gro- you remind me at the grocery store getting kids thinking about you know optimization if you're in if you need to get in the grocery store line do you want to get uh, behind three people on the express line or two people in the regular line you know having kids think about things like that it's you know it's it's all around you just look, look for questions to ask and if you don't know the answer get in touch find somebody who does it's fun
0: or even just have a conversation it's not necessarily even about having an answer that's right right yeah. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for chatting, Matt. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. And thank you all for listening to another episode of the Center for Teaching Excellence podcast.